and welcome back. Uh, can I use your mic? DJ, hit me! This is the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Gary Hoffman. The problem, sir, is that our hero is not, uh, he's not a handsome man. Shannon Farron. The whole crowd band together and started chanting. Gary and Shannon. That's how the show started. February to you. The worst month of the year. It's only because you struggle with it. If you just took the time to understand the month of February. No, I, I mean, there's a lot of great things about February. February. Never mind. I knew this was going to happen. <clears throat> 28 days of me mispronouncing things and you pointing and laughing at me. For a year. Thursday on the Gary and Shannon Show means Justin Worsham joins us in the 11 o'clock hour talking about parenting myths today. Of course, he's host of the dadpodcast.com. We talk parenting. The dirtiest spot at the airport. I know exactly where that is. A new study has uncovered just what that is. That bathroom that I was in right before I saw Joe Buck walking down the terminal. I still can't believe you didn't slap him. (laughs) There's another Turpin house to tell you about. Oh, no. How many homes like this are there in we, our great country? We kind of threw that around in this in the uh, office this morning. How many of these homes are there where the kids are living in just filth and neighbors are doing nothing about it or, or don't even know what's going on? Kids locked up, me being made uh, to eat dog feces. Anyway, we'll get into that. But first, the breaking news locally today is this shooting at Salvador Castro Middle School in the Westlake area this morning. Two students were shot. One's in critical condition. Reportedly, he was shot in the head. The girl that was shot reportedly is in fair condition, shot in in the arm or in the hand. And uh, a young lady, a young girl, in custody for this shooting. Very young. And when we saw the helicopter shot of the officers leading her away, it's, it's, uh, it's telling one of the officers that was holding her arm with his right arm, is then also holding her backpack with his left hand. Just to give you, I mean, just to remind you that this is not an adult in any way. I mean, this is a small 11, 12, 13-year-old girl, something along those lines. Um, they uh, LAPD sent out a tweet that said that the middle school is on lockdown. This shares a campus, though, with Belmont High School. They're right next to each other. So it's not certain if the high school is also under lockdown, but the, it's just crawling with police officers right now. And this uh, Sal Castro Middle School and Belmont High School are on West 2nd Street. That's the address that's listed in the Westlake District. So that's just northwest of downtown L.A. by a few blocks and just a couple of blocks away from the school district headquarters, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, LAPD searching every classroom per protocol. Um, And and students are, in some cases, being handcuffed as they're escorted to, to, to safety. There's a number of students outside the fences there uh, just kind of holding on to each other. Again, if you're a parent, say your kid doesn't have a cell phone to call you and say, hey, I'm okay. You hear there's a shooting. You don't see your kid yet. Those are some tense damn moments. Yeah, we we didn't see, I don't believe, any images of the boy who was shot. And again, that was possibly the boy shot in the head. We didn't see any images of him uh, that we could tell going into an ambulance 
The other two people that we know were injured, I guess a 15-year-old girl was shot in the wrist, like you said, or hand or arm. We saw her being loaded into an ambulance, and it didn't appear to be a dire situation. No one was running around. Right. It wasn't a sense of urgency. There was also a 30-year-old female, according to the LA Times, who was injured, but not a gunshot wound. So it could have been anything from uh, simply running to get away from gunshots and falling, uh, breaking a wrist or a leg or something like that. But they said that that other injury was not an actual gunshot wound. Shots were fired. The call of shots fired came in first at about 8.55 this morning. And again, at Sal Castro Middle School, the images that we see now are seems like more police officers than there are students. And because it's on lockdown, they are going to go classroom to classroom and check and make sure that no other weapons are in that school, which means they have to individually search each and every student that comes out of those classrooms. See, that's that image Just right seeing there. her walk away. I mean, like you said, this, we're talking about a young girl here. I mean, the, both the victims were 15, so she could be 15. But even if you're talking about 15... That's my daughter's age. I know. Weird... It looks like your daughter. Wait a minute. I mean, the size of her. <laughs> they, you know, they're they're tiny. They're they're not even. And just wearing the tennis shoes and the jeans and the sweatshirt, you right? Know, like a college sweatshirt or something like that. Um, it's just a bizarre. So two students have been transported to hospitals. One of them believed to be in critical condition. Again, that's the 15 year old boy may have been shot in the head, and then a girl also shot somewhere in the arm that is believed to be in much better condition. And uh, one 15-year-old girl believed – or one girl believed to be about 15 in custody. And his parents uh, sit there and wait for the release of their kids. i got to imagine there's a lot of tension. Some of the parents had said they've heard from their students who are still inside the school in different classrooms and that they have been telling their parents that they're safe, that they are in lockdown, they're in a dark, small space – waiting for the police to come get them just to make sure that there's no other uh, activity there. Gloria Echevarria is one of the parents waiting outside the line of police tape for word on her son. He's 13. She said, I'm, I'm just hoping it has nothing to do with him. I'm just scared for all the kids. School is supposed to be a safe place for them, and apparently it's not. And that's one of those uh, unfortunate thoughts that pops up every time there is a shooting at a school. You trust the school to take care of your kid when you when you leave your kid off at that school. Apparently, the kid goes to the school. They're holding a news conference. We'll see if we can break in. Twelve-year-old female again with abrasions, predominantly to the head and face area. So only two of the five patients were injured as a result of a weapon. The following information will I have Lieutenant Chris Ramirez to be able to provide. Right now we have approximately 50 LAFD firefighters on scene with a total of seven ambulances to ensure safety and to rapidly treat and transport patients. Lieutenant Ramirez. Good morning. My name is Chris Ramirez. That's C-H-R-I-S, last name Ramirez, and I'm a lieutenant with LAPD Media Relations Division. Uh, at about 9 o'clock this morning, uh, LA Unified School Police Officers, in conjunction with LAPD Rampart Detectives and uh, officers, responded to a shooting call here at Belmont High School. When they arrived, they located a few victims, and they also uh, located the suspect, who they took into custody without further incident. A gun was recovered at scene, and those uh, students were transported to a local hospital where they're currently undergoing medical treatment, and uh, some are enlisted in some such stable conditions. Uh, and that's where we're at right now. Also, we have uh, currently treating this as a crime scene. We are working together with school police, uh, investigators, and staff, and we're trying to adjust and secure the crime scene and the location.
And that's what I have now. And also I have Chief Zipperman here as well. Chief. Oh, good morning. Uh, my name is Steve Zipperman. That's Z-I-P-P-E-R-M-A-N. I'm the Chief of Police for Los Angeles School Police Department. As Lieutenant Ramirez has already indicated, uh, the incident involves um, the fact that we had a uh, some type of a shooting occurrence inside of a classroom. And as a result of that, we did have uh, two students that were injured and three other uh, folks that have been um, injured as a result of uh, peripheral uh, stuff. So I want to first say one thing. As we continue to go through this and try to understand what happened, there's only so much information we can give you. Los Angeles Police Department is the lead investigative agency in this incident, and we will be here to support them. What I do want to do is get a message out to all the parents, uh, particularly of this school site. And that is, number one, that if you have not yet received a message um, through the school, you will receive one shortly. Right now, we do know that we have one of the parents of the students that was injured as a result of the gunshot wound has been notified. And we believe right now uh, that we uh, have contact with the remaining parent. So. I want to assure parents that we are doing the best we can to get the messaging to you. The school remains on lockdown. The school goes to their normal procedures as far as an incident like this to ensure the safety of the students. And although you will be getting a message regarding the incident at the school, if you have not received a call yet, okay, the parents have been notified and one is in the, in the process of being notified. That being said, we know this is a very traumatic incident for all the children involved, particularly inside that classroom. As we continue to move forward with this, I want to have everybody a clear understanding that we will attend to the needs of these students who witness this very carefully with the understanding this is very traumatic. We have our school mental health uh, folks that are here to support the needs of the student and we will continue to work with those students. LAPD will continue with their investigation and they will provide information as much as they can uh, as we get it. So again, the school has been declared safe at this point. There is no more safety threat. The students and those injured have been transported. We do have a, a student who uh, has been taken into custody and is at a local LAPD station and we will continue to be uh, messaging with the parents as best as we can and to continue to provide support to the school. Sir, CBS News, uh, are any of the injuries life-threatening? Are there anybody being treated here now? I, I, will, I will let uh, Eric Scott uh, comment on anything involving the, uh, the status of the patients. Uh, again, the total patient count that we have is a total of five. And please remember this is an active incident, so we continually have individuals that walk out, particularly with minor abrasions. Of those five patients that we have, the most uh, critical was a 15-year-old male that received a, a gunshot wound to the head. However, we're placing him in critical but stable condition. So our firefighter paramedics were on scene very rapidly. They quickly uh, treated that individual, transported them to a local hospital. Again, beyond that, the second most uh, serious injury was a 15-year-old female that had a gunshot wound to the wrist. The following three patients 
were ranging from 11-year-old to 30-year-old, predominantly had minor abrasions to the face area, some from glass. Again, that patient count may increase as this remains an active incident, but we don't anticipate it to at this time. Um, someone mentioned a classroom. Did this, can you tell more about like what happened, where it was? Law enforcement will do that. Right now, we're only commenting that it occurred on the campus. We're still trying to get the details about where exactly that occurred. Once we talk to the subjects that were involved, we can get further details to you out at a later time. Was there a classroom? Was the shooting in a classroom? Like I said, we're still trying to get the iron out the details about the crime, and we'll get you that information as it progresses. One more question. One more question. Whether this was a targeted shooting specifically for these students or whether it was completely random. Until we speak to the involved individuals, we won't know the motive until a later time, and that will come out. How was the shooter taken out? We're going to come back in about, uh, uh, in about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, again, we'll come back in about 10, 15 minutes. Thank you, everybody. All right. Well, that was a, a live news conference there outside South Castro Middle School in Belmont High School, the scene of a shooting. It looks like about an hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes ago. It was a female shooter, total of five people injured, but just two shot. A critical condition was how they described the boy, 15 years old, wound to the head. They say critical but stable right now. And then a 15-year-old girl who was shot at the wrist. Uh, she is in fair condition. And then there were three other people that had minor abrasions to their face area, some from glass. Uh, 11 years old to 30 years old. The um, the interesting thing is that they cut off that news conference just now. Somebody else from the LAPD stepped in and said that they're going to come back in 10 or 15 minutes. That's unusual in that for two reasons. Number one, she cut off uh, her compatriot there from the LAPD in terms of interrupting and not allowing any more questions, but then also saying they'd be back so soon. Usually something like that takes place two hours, three hours down the road when they have a lot more opportunity to uh, to discuss what's going on, to talk with uh, detectives and investigators who are interviewing the people who are directly involved. So that's unusual. When they do come back, though, we will uh, we'll carry that for you live again. This is the uh, the shooting that took place at Sal Castro Middle School in the Westlake District of L.A., just northwest of downtown L.A., on West 2nd Street. Uh, any information that we get, we'll definitely bring it to School you. remains on lockdown. They said that if you are a parent for that school, you've not received a message through the school, you will get one soon. Uh, that one of the parents who has definitely been notified, one of the kids that was shot, that parent has been notified and they believe they have contact with the remaining parent. Uh, so they're hoping to get all the information out there. Uh, the school has been declared safe, no more threat there. But as we mentioned earlier, they are going classroom to classroom, searching every student as per protocol when, when these things happened. Unfortunately, yes, you got to have a protocol because these things do happen. The, the girl that was arrested, by the way, the, the pictures of her were pretty clear. You could see her being led out of the school, dark jeans, dark sweatshirt, hoodie, uh, she has dark hair. Her head was his down. Uh, police officer had her in handcuffs with his hand behind her back, walking her, uh, uh, assuming to a, a black and white car. Her in one hand, and as you mentioned, Gary, her black backpack in the other hand. Yeah, just a stark reminder that these are children that we're talking about here. Um, the uh, the chief of the L.A. school police also mentioned that they will not have any sort of a motive uh, on this until they can figure out and talk with the people who are involved. I don't know if they the boy that they mentioned who was 15 shot in the head in critical but stable condition, which I think is the best news that you can get for somebody who's been shot in the head. Yeah. 
Um, I, I don't know if that means that he's uh, unable to talk with them, the extent of his injuries, if it was a grazing wound, whatever it was. But the girl who was shot in the wrist in fair condition is definitely going to be able to give them hopefully some important information about maybe what the girl had said, what sort of relationship she may have had. Uh, the girl who was shot in the wrist may have simply been a, an innocent bystander in all of this and just, you know, was accidentally and that maybe the boy himself was the one who was targeted. But again, all of that will come out hopefully within the next couple of hours. Uh, and again, they did mention that they'll have another news conference in just 10 or 15 minutes or so. Unusual, but we'll definitely bring that to you when it uh, when it comes around. All right, uh, that's a story that we are gonna we're gonna keep doing all day because it is important. Definitely, the parents are gonna want to know what is going on, and since it is right in our backyard, just over the hill from where we are right now, so we'll keep an eye on that. Let's take a quick break and uh, maybe your chance to win some of this. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. And answer the phone. Make sure that if you win, you answer the phone because they'll call you and let you know that you won. However, if you don't answer the phone, they'll find somebody else who wants 1000 bucks. Well, we have seen elected official after elected official stand at a podium and talk about their affairs, right? Anthony Weiner... Elliot Spitzer. There's so there's so many names of guys that have been elected to office, but then cheat on their wives, and then somebody's going to out them, so they come forward and try and get in front of it. What about Mark Sanford, remember Mark Sanford to go spend time. Was with that his, the hike in Argentina? Somewhere in South America, he's now in Congress, of course. Yes, he resigned as the governor, we'll and then yeah. we elected him to that's Congress. What we do okay. um, because these stories often blow over, right? We kind of forget the Mark Sanford story after a number of years, and then yes, they circle back and through the drain and back into an elected seat. Well, we got a strange twist on the old story today when Nashville Mayor Megan Barry admitted to an affair. She is fifty-four years old. She admitted to an extramarital affair. With the head of her security detail. This is like Whitney Houston and Kevin was, Costner. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Now, the the ho- horrible, the the heartbreaking part of this is not just the mayor's husband or the police officer's wife, because both of them were married. This mayor made headlines inadvertent. Well, I shouldn't even say this mayor was in the headlines. We she talked about them. this story, remember? Yeah, because last her, year. her son died of an overdose. 22-year-old son, Max, their only child. Just, a, I mean, it was a heartbreaking story. And it was, a. I mean, it was when we were talking about the opioid crisis and just the, the struggle that families have, that it's not a lower you know, class thing. It's not a, a poor, poverty-stricken neighborhood thing. It's in every neighborhood in America now, this opioid crisis. And this was an example that you cannot, you are not immune to it just because you happen to be in the upper echelons of society, the mayor of a, of a large metropolitan city like Nashville. Well, she comes out uh, and finally admits what some members of her staff had known for some time. I, as a public official, have had a private event in my life that I need to, to share. I had a consensual relationship with a member of my security detail, and I am deeply sorry for that. And I am embarrassed, and I am sad, and I am so sorry for all the pain that I have caused my family and his family. And I know that 
that God will forgive me, but that Nashville doesn't have to. We'll play a little bit more of that in a minute, but she's a big star. She's got great approval numbers. They love her there. Democratic City, first female mayor. She was elected in 2017. Approval ratings above 70%. She says she's not going to step down. And he, on on the other, oh, and she's not separating from her husband either. Um, The security Mm. detail guy, he he might have a divorce uh, proceeding in the works, which is why this came out now. Because his wife has a lawyer who's trying to get custody of Megan Berry's cell phone for her case. So I'm assuming... The wife of the security detail guy is trying to divorce him over this and wants that cell phone and proof of an affair uh, to get some extra dollars. Yeah, the the mayor, like you said, has said she's not going to step down. She may be forced out of office over this because it wasn't just an affair, which, you know, wouldn't have much impact necessarily on her ability to do her job. But the question that could potentially dog her if she stays in office for any amount of time is – the money that the city spent so that they could travel together. He was a regular presence with the mayor during public events and travel and even trips abroad. There were nine trips where only Megan Barry and this guy were there, including a trip to Greece in September. That sounds beautiful. Is it like a sister city situation? Nashville and Well, what's Mykonos? interesting is when you look at... <laughs> When you look at the the amount of money that it costs to send the mayor somewhere with a security detail, or in this case, just one officer, but at least one body guy, use the term loosely, um, the bill for his trips for most of last year was almost $22,000. But they'd the be sending expenses. her with a security detail anyway. Right. But her bill for that same amount of travel was only 11000 And the difference is the organizations or the groups or the you know chamber of commerce or whatever that wants to invite the mayor of Nashville will foot the bill for her so that the city's not on the hook for it but they will not cover the cost of her security detail right but the mayor's not going to go without security right. detail absolutely so the money would have been spent no matter who it was it just happened to be the guy she was boning right which speaking makes of that speaking of <laughs> our favorite line of the story is this i mean i don't want to speak for you no about. it's i said it also The relationship is the first extramarital affair in the Nashville mayor's office that has gone public since former Mayor Bill Boner's public romances in the 90s. How did we miss that? I repeat, Mayor Bill Boner's public romances. What's his name? Bill Mm. Boner. 34-year-old country singer he was into and a former bodyguard who was also a Metro police officer. Ah, wouldn't that... well. I'm Googling. <laughs> You're going to see a lot. what he looks like? Bill Boner. Okay. Be careful when uh, clicking on certain links when you type that in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here's a little bit more of the, uh, the mayor's uh, apology speech from the yesterday. And I hope that I can earn their trust and I can earn your trust back and that you will forgive me. I know that there have been several questions today about some of the finances, the travel, and the overtime. Let me just take a moment and talk about that, and then I'm going to take all your questions. 
Uh, as a mayor, one of the things that is part of what you have is detail, and, and detail is with you all the time. Well, she's talking about security detail specifically there. Um, I, as, as, as prudish, uh, that's not the right word, as accepting as we, the United States, as society has become for things like extramarital affairs, there's still an expectation in public service like this, public office, that you're going to pay for doing something like this. And as we've seen, we use Mark Sanford as an example. I mean, this guy stepped out on his wife and uh, made up some weird story about finding his life partner or soul, soul, whatever it was, soulmate. And we elected him to Congress. She's got a future, it sounds like, because she was very successful as a politician. But I just don't think it's going to be as mayor of, of Nashville anymore. You're going- I think I, I think the opposite. I think, think they she's, embrace she's her staying? even more. I think they embrace her even more. Well, it is highly unusual for a female mayor, female politician to come out and admit an infidelity like that. Right. So we'll see. I have uh, just a little nugget about Bill Boner and his appearance on the Phil Donahue show. Oh. Do that when we come back. Excellent. Gary and Shannon will continue. Also keeping an eye on the shooting at the Sal Castro Middle School. One female student, believed to be student, in custody Several people injured, but only two of them actually had gunshots. One of them, a 15-year-old boy shot in the head. The other, a 15-year-old girl shot in the wrist. We'll come back with some more details. going to follow this story in the Westlake District. There was a school shooting today just northwest of downtown L.A. Sal Castro Middle School shares a campus actually with Belmont High School. Two people injured, uh, two people shot. A 15-year-old boy shot in the head, listed in critical but stable condition. 15-year-old girl was hit somewhere in the arm. She's listed in fair condition. A few other people but uh, were injured, but they weren't shot. They just received uh, either small abrasions or bumps and bruises. There was a news conference going on just about uh, 20 minutes ago, but they cut it off pretty quickly and said that they would be back in a bit. So if that uh, if that news conference starts up again, we'll bring that to you live. We were talking about Nashville Mayor Megan Berry and how she has come out and said that she has had an extramarital affair with the head of her security detail and talked into the story. By the way, she says she's not resigning and she's not separating from her husband, but tucked into the story is the the line that the relationship is the first affair in the mayor's office that has gone public since former mayor Bill Boner's public romances in the nineties. Like what? Bill Boner Bill, was. What's a nickname for Bill? Uh, Willie. Yeah, Willie <laughs> Boner. Wow, his parents must have really liked him. So during his term as mayor, Bill Bone Willie Boner made a what's deemed a controversial appearance on a 1990 episode of the Phil Donahue show. Like Phil Donahue show was like uh, <laughs> Oprah, but back but in an the, old white guy. Right. I think they hooked up once too. You mean, and did a show together? Or did they have animosity? I'm getting the story maybe mixed <laughs> up. Anyway. I'm in a Chardonnay fog right now. I have not had any Chardonnay for a very long time. That might be the problem. At least 12 hours. 
What about Coronas? Nope, nothing. <laughs> Yesterday was my day of sobriety. Oh. So anyway, Bill Boner appears on the show with Tracy Peel, who's the country singer that he's accused of running around on his wife with. The couple was engaged at the point, even though Boner was still married to his third wife. It was reported that Peel, the country singer, had told a reporter that the mayor's passion could last for seven hours. Oh. This was discussed in the Donahue appearance, and during the same appearance, Bill Boner played the harmonica while Peel sang Rocky Top. The two would eventually marry and then divorce after Boner was caught cheating two years into the marriage. But how's that for a little spicy Phil Donahue back in 1990? Now, I know those details today in 2018 are like a Tuesday morning. That's nothing. Producers wouldn't even book that appearance because it's not salacious enough. But back in 1990, talking about a man's passion lasting for seven hours on uh, daytime television was a big deal. What's going on in Nashville? I mean, why? A lot of music, a lot of love, a lot of of, uh, moonshine. Moonshine. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we told you how we have uncovered another Turpin house, and unfortunately, that seems to be the case. This one is in... Wicomico County in Maryland. I'm not sure the pronunciation on that. It's not going to be a surprise. But they said that this is a town in Mardella Springs. Three kids there were beaten and reportedly locked up and fed bread and water, oatmeal, and sometimes dog feces. Who's behind this? Two women. Two women have been arrested, charged with multiple counts of child abuse involving these kids. The women are 29 and 25 years old. They were uh, they were girlfriend and girlfriend. The three victims, age eight, nine, and ten, lived with Amanda Wright and Besline Joseph. The investigation has revealed that since late last spring or early summer, the three children endured physical beatings from both of them. Beatings inflicted with hands, extension cords, belts, sticks, other objects. They assaulted the children multiple times with an electronic control device, or tasing the kids, 8, 9, and 10 years old. They were reportedly locked in closets in a basement, threatened with death if they told anyone about the abuse. Now, they've said that they're not doing much in terms of identifying or, or specifying details that would identify these kids, although it's clear we knew where they lived, who was living with them? So if you are in that area, I mean, it's pretty clear that you're going to know who those kids were. But each of these have been charged with three counts of first-degree child abuse, second-degree child abuse, first-degree assault, second-degree assault, reckless endangerment, neglect of a minor, stalking, use of a dangerous weapon with intent to injure, false imprisonment, one count each of causing ingestion of a bodily fluid, preventing with uh, preventing the report of suspected child abuse or neglect, and conspiracy to commit first-degree child abuse. That's an in, that's a huge, long list. You know what? I wonder if the Turpin case tips somebody off to call Ab- this in. Absolutely. And that's, that's a nice consequence of the lives of horror those kids have lived because, in fact, uh, Maryland State Police says they got information on these allegations of child abuse. Somebody called it in. So I, if something good come out of the Turpin house, looking around your neighborhood and saying, now what's going on with those kids over there? Yeah. Is that worth a call? In this case, it seems like, yes, absolutely it was. How many houses are sick adults torturing kids in? Well, 
one in each state? Is that a safe bet? I mean, there's probably two or three in the bigger states. California, we've, there's probably someone somewhere who's still doing this. In Texas, there's a couple. In New York, there's probably a couple. Illinois. And then, yeah, just places around the country, there are still, you know, it seems like every couple of years we're going to hear a story. And unfortunately, maybe it's going to be every couple of weeks now, stories about kids being rescued from these horrific conditions. I mean, it's great that they're being rescued. It's horrific that they're uh, being held there right now. Coming up next, terror in the skies that starts at the airport, the dirtiest spot in the airport to be exact. My wife always travels with a with a wipes, the little Clorox wipes. Very smart. Always. Oh, and Love Sweets coming to Virgin Atlantic. No, it's bad enough when people try to talk on their phone on the plane. We don't need them playing Nashville Mayor on the plane. Everyone needs a little love. I suppose. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Coming up in moments, we're supposed to get an update from Cal, uh, Sal Castro Middle School, where a female student opened fire in a classroom this morning, hitting a 15-year-old boy in the head. He is said to be in critical condition but stable. 15-year-old girl was struck in the wrist by a bullet as well, is said to be in fair condition. School remains on lockdown. They're not releasing kids yet. There are three other people that were injured, ranging in age from 11 to 30, from minor cuts and scrapes, some uh, some glass wounds there. Yeah, we, they're, uh, they're, telling, they're telling parents right now that if you haven't been contacted, then more than likely your, your kids are safe. Yeah, they, they've already contacted the ones that have been shot. Um, the they're also not immediately releasing the kids uh, to the parents, but they're asking parents to gather so that they can do so in an orderly fashion. Uh, well, it's time to head to the airport and wear your gloves. Flight two zero nine, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger, get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough. I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday. It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. There is uh, a company called insurancequotes.com that did a somewhat scientific test. 18 tests across six surfaces inside of three U.S. airports and airline flights. And it's going to make you sick. Yeah, what? Quick gas go around. Okay. pop music. There it is. There we go. What is the dirtiest place in an airport? Oscar. The uh, toilets, the bathrooms. No. Blake. Uh, the seats in the planes? In the airport. What if they're taxiing it? Oh, okay. Um. You want to go with the seats in the airport? Sure, we'll go with those. Okay, no. Uh, <laughs> Monica. I, the baggage carousel? Oh, that's not a bad one. I like the, uh, the thought on that. But not, not, not the number one. All right. You've already read the story. I already read the answer. I know the answer. The answer is. The answer is. Which we do have a false sense of security, I believe, when we use these. Excellent point. The self-check-in kiosks, guys. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Because everybody's as, touching them. That's mm-hmm. right. The technology is so great. And 
It's when you're coming out of your car, you got your luggage or whatever's going your on. Your kid's diaper dirt, in one hand. And you shook hands with the guy who's driving your cab or your whatever. Can Listen. you imagine now during flu season, everybody's coughing oh, and sneezing? That's why we're and, so sick oh, all the time. Oh. I would have never thought, but I just didn't think about this, this. Because when you think about it, like Monica said, every single person touches those. This group at the uh, insurancequotes.com sent swabs to the lab and found the average number of viable bacteria and fungal, squ- fungal cells per square inch <laughs> to see how clean <laughs> traveling really is. They found that those self-check-in kiosks were the germiest of all the spots they tested. 253,857 colony-forming units. Okay, let me just round call. up here. That's 254,000 units. 254,000. The average on your toilet at home, 172 units. But that's your toilet at right. home. Yeah, but not even the airport toilets were this dirty. So you'd be you'd be better served punching in your rapid rewards number on that toilet at the airport. Well, and here's the thing: that the toilets are not they get a bad rap. I know this is going to sound goofy and disgusting, but really, the only thing that you're touching is like the back of your legs, right? Unless you're doing something wrong. I was always taught that you're not supposed to be squishing around <laughs> and stuff. Don't even <laughs> hover because then you don't know where everything's going. The back of your legs, what did the what does the back of your legs touch all day long? Your pants, if you're lucky. I mean, if you have pants, that's it. <laughs> it's not like you're, you know, you're eating food off the back of your legs or that, you know, you're touching them against germy things. Ugh. So the toilet seats, you know, always get a bad rap because of everything that passes next to them. But it's not. But your fingers that punch in your little number there, they also feed you. They do everything. And Bobby just picked his nose before he got onto the flight to Dubuque. The the second one, and this is a, a, a far down the list in terms of second. They say that the airline gate bench armrest is mm-hmm. nasty. But like you said, the self-check-in kiosk, 254,000. Uh, the CFUs, the colony forming units, two hundred fifty four thousand. The bench armrest is only twenty two thousand. Mm. So maybe check into your flight early so that your boarding pass is on your phone. Or how about this? I use this when Excellent. I touch when Excellent I touch the tip. buttons in the elevator here. Mm-hmm. Just use the knuckle. Oh, I use my elbow sometimes too. Or the elbow. Yeah, that's all. Because how many times do then you suck on your own knuckle? <laughs> what? Do you, that's not a thing, right? That's why it's an unusual <laughs> thing, so you don't do it. You're much but more you likely suck to suck on accident- your fingers. Well, you're much more likely to accidentally. I'm not judging. I just I haven't seen you do this. If behavior. I bring in a bag of cashews and I'm po- popping those things into my mouth, they're going to go past my fingers. But rarely am I going to get a knuckle caught on a, a cashew and then put it into my mouth. So just to be clear, you don't suck your fingers. No, not intentionally. Farther down the list, the water fountain button at the uh, at the airport. The kitchen sink, uh, the comparative surface bacteria levels, a kitchen sink is about the same as an airline gate bench armrest. Mm. Uh, a bathroom doorknob is only 203, and then the toilet seat is even cleaner than that at 172. All right, let's go live to this press conference here Garcia. on the shooting Make sure this we're morning. we're all ready. We're all ready. Good. We're, you're going to get them right now from everybody, okay? This is the. Uh, All right, I'm going to ask you to. This is the this latest update on this shooting at Sal Castro Middle School, sharing a campus with Belmont High School in the Westlake District, just northwest of downtown. Happened just before nine o'clock this morning, so we're working on two hours now 
from the original shots fired call that came in. Girl in custody. Two students were hit. 15-year-old boy hit in the head in crit- critical but stable yeah, condition. And a, a girl who was shot in the wrist also said to be uh, about 15 years old. There were three other people that were hurt. One of them, uh, according to the police officer that briefed us earlier, was hit by shrapnel. A couple other people injured, maybe glass uh, abrasions. Uh, my name is Steve Zipperman at Z-I-P-P-E-R-M-A-N, uh, Chief Los Angeles School Police Department. Uh, we also have with us uh, Fire Department, uh, Eric Scott, who's the uh, PIO for LAFD. We have our uh, board president, Monica Garcia for LAUSD, and the LAUSD Superintendent, Vivian Etchian, along with LAPD Deputy Chief Bobby Arcos. Um, as you know, we had a prior press conference uh, immediately after this incident. And hopefully we can provide a little bit more information about this morning's event. As previously stated, just before 9 a.m. this morning, LAFD, LAPD, and L.A. School Police received information regarding a possible shooting inside of one of the classrooms at Castro uh, Middle School here on the Belmont Complex. The emergency uh, folks responded. It was very quick response. Uh, LAPD, and they will give a briefing in a second. As you know, uh, we do have, as a result of that incident, five people total have been transported to local hospitals. I will have LAFD provide the information on that. Of the five people transported, two are actually victims of, uh, appears to be uh, from a gunshot a wound. And we do have a person of interest in custody that is already uh, at an LAPD facility. As you can understand, this is an ongoing investigation and LAPD is the lead investigative agency and there's only so much information we can provide. But I do want to stress once again, our campus, while it's on lockdown, is safe. There's no more safety threat to the students of this school. We want to also state that the parents of the school site, both the middle school and the high school, and even the neighboring schools. They have been contacted through what we call our Blackboard Connect, and they have been given the necessary messaging regarding this incident. The parents involved in, in the, for the students who have been affected today as a result of uh, being injured, they have been notified. Also, we have numerous parents that are calling inquiring about the status of the school day. Uh, as of right now, the school day, although while on lockdown, and, we're, and we will hopefully have the lockdown lifted shortly, the normal school day and normal instructional day will continue. And uh, the superintendent will get more, uh, provide more information on that as far as if parents do want to uh, pick their children up early, what that process would look like. So I want to turn this over right now to uh, board, uh, I'm sorry, the superintendent, Vivian Etchin. You're listening to KFI KOST HD2 Los Angeles. Uh, good afternoon. It's an incredibly uh, difficult situation for us as members of the LA Unified Community. As the superintendent, I want to express to all parents and community members that our students are safe. We will make sure that every child is reunited with a parent, a guardian, or a custodian. We will keep the students here and safe. No matter how late it is, I'll make sure that I'm here with the last child leaving this campus. 
The school campus is safe now. It is an incident that will be carefully investigated. We're incredibly saddened by the fact that it happened, but all the neighboring schools, the entire community will be on alert. We have set up a station for parents and others to ask questions, which is at the intersection of Belmont and Beverly. I want you to know we're here for our kids. We could not control or know about the situation, but our schools are safe. We remain committed to our students and communities. We will address this issue both in terms of real-time mental health support and any other type of support that is necessary for our students to be back and learning, which is their primary responsibility, our priority in keeping them safe and learning. I also want to add that even though school will continue until the end of the day, we have counselors in the classrooms. Our students will be fed. They will have opportunities to discuss as to what that means to them and we'll continue that support the following days until we have our campus back where it should be. I'd like to now introduce our school board president, Monica Garcia. Thank you, Chief. Thank you to all our first responders and the people who came together at Belmont to help our students. We are all troubled by the fact that uh, some of our young people were hurt today. We are troubled as we ask a school community to stand strong and stand together. But we must remember that healing is possible and there are many resources here across the district and the city to help our young people and their families. I am grateful to all of the people who have supported our kids, our staff, and our leaders as we move through this investigation and help our young people return to their normal place of learning. Quiero dar las gracias a todos los aliados que se acercaron a nuestra escuela y nuestros estudiantes esta mañana. Okay, we have uh, Monica Garcia there. She's going to do the whole thing in, in Espanol. Is it weird that the kids are going back to school today? Uh, Yes. But I don't know what else. I mean, if there's so many parents that have nothing to do, I don't know. I mean, what would happen if we were... This never happened to us, so I don't even know what... Usually classes are canceled for the rest of the day. Yes, and sometimes the rest of the week, depending on what's going on. Right. Um, Counselors have been assigned to classrooms to help them get through this. I don't understand what you would do. Maybe maybe it is a district where um, they understand that the parents do not... Can't come get the kids. You know what I mean? Right away. Yeah, well, I, that's the only thing or, I would think yeah. is that there's so many of the parents who are working and, and would not be able to come pick up their kids. And can't afford it or, or whatever the reason. Um, yeah, but so the chief of the L.A. Uh, the LA School District Police did say uh, that this is for those kids who have not already left. The kids who are on lockdown right now will still go through the normal school day, even though they'll do so on lockdown. Uh, I assume that while they're on lockdown, they're not changing classrooms or anything like that. I'm but, assuming uh, if you were a parent, you wanted to go get your kid, you could go get your kid. Yeah, they're not going to prevent parents I mean, from coming to pick up if, their kid. If your kid, if your daughter's in class and here there's a shooting in her classroom or whatever, you're going to want to go take her home and talk to her about it and deal with that, right? I, I, well, I also assume they mentioned that some of the kids themselves who 
they've been a little gun, pardon the pun, they've been a little shy about explaining what the exact circumstances of the shooting were, like where it was when it took place. So they haven't said if it was in a classroom, although that was the original report. If that's the case, I would imagine that every kid who was in that classroom is done for the day. They're not going to keep those kids around. Um, Not only do they have to go through, you know, what would be normal police interviews for information on what actually happened inside the classroom, but that's a traumatic experience having been in there. So I don't imagine that they would be going through the normal uh, process of the school day. Um, This is, uh, we're talking about a shooting this morning at Sal Castro Middle School on West 2nd Street in the West Lake District, which is just northwest of downtown L.A. by a few blocks They did take a female student, it's believed, into custody, a young girl, and you could tell just by the picture. There were two people who were shot, in this case a 15-year-old boy who was shot in the head and put into what they say critical but stable condition, and then a 15-year-old girl who was shot in the wrist, and they say she is in fair condition. There were three others who were hurt, but they were not gunshot wounds. They were careful to point that out. Uh, 11, 12, and 30 years old, so it's believed to be a couple of students and a teacher probably, and that they suffered maybe small abrasions. They could have been hit by shrapnel or broken glass, something like that. All of this started at about 8.55 this morning when the first calls came in of shots having been fired at Sal Castro Middle School or Belmont High School. They both share a campus, so their address is listed as the same thing. Interesting that it is a female school shooter. Um, there have there have been some in the uh, in the past, but let's go back to this presser now. It seems like they'll take some questions. Thank you, Chief Zipperman. Good afternoon. My name is Robert Arcos. I'm the commanding officer of Operations Central Bureau. And I just want to underscore what our school superintendent, school board president, and Chief Zipperman have expressed to you is that our campus and our surrounding community we are safe and it is secure. We have moved from a tactical operation now into an investigative uh, component. Uh, we are unified in command here with school police and with the L.A. Fire Department. What I want to say is, as a parent, this is everyone's worst-case nightmare. Worst-case scenario and, and a nightmare for all of us. But this is what I want to assure you. The response from the Los Angeles Fire Department, the Los Angeles Police Department, and the Los Angeles School Police Department was extraordinary. This city shares a great relationship with all of our city partners here, and it was shown today. Everybody worked hand-in-hand. We know what to do. We've trained for it. we planned, and we have coordinated, and it really worked today. The response from the school district, having crisis counselors, the administrators here, was nothing short of spectacular work as well. So the surrounding community, our parents who are watching, should be assured that their children are in great care. So uh, with that... Um, but I'd like to say is the Rampart Division has the investigative lead on this uh, incident. There is a lot of work to be done, as you can imagine. There's a number of students and teachers and administrators that we will need to interview, and there will be a number of follow-ups that will come uh, from this investigation. When we have that information, when we have that information and we are sure, uh, we will begin to share that information with you. But at this point right now, it is still too early in the investigation to understand the motive, uh, what precipitated this, how that weapon was accessed, etc. I know there's a lot of questions that you may have, but at this point, we're not in a position to answer that because we just do not know yet. So uh, thank you again. Is the 15-year-old female a suspect or a person of interest? One second, please. Uh, Now I'd like to introduce uh, the uh, Los Angeles City Fire Department's uh, PIO, uh, Eric Scott. 
The Los Angeles Fire Department quickly arrived here just after, actually just before 9 o'clock. Uh, Engine 11 arrived on scene. They determined if this was a static situation, set up staging, called for additional resources. And, of course, we quickly co-located with law enforcement. As we began to triage patients, ultimately there's been a total of five that were injured. So we had a 15-year-old male that suffered a gunshot wound to the head that we placed in critical yet stable condition. We also had a 15-year-old female that suffered a gunshot wound to the wrist and were placing in fair condition. The following three patients was a 30-year-old female, an 11-year-old male, and a 12-year-old female that all suffered abrasions. Um, we did quickly triage, treat, and transport these individuals to local hospitals where they are getting further care. In addition, we did notify the Mayor's Crosses uh, response team to join this robust group of individuals to provide care and aid to those tragically affected by this incident. Thank you, Eric. Uh, right now what I'd like to do is invite our L.A. City Attorney, Mike Fuhrer, up here with me, if, if we could. And the reason I want uh, uh, Mike Fuhrer to join me is before we get into any further questions that you may have, and something that is, that's, although this, because of this incident, it's important that we remind you of something. We do not know yet, and in the investigation, hopefully, we will find out when the, when the right time is, how our young person on this campus ended up having the ability to have access to a firearm and bring it onto a campus. Or for that matter, any young person having access to a weapon and bringing it anywhere. We have laws that mandate that parents who own guns, any adult who owns guns, any gun owner, has an obligation to ensure that gun is locked inside a home. As I indicated, the majority of the weapons that our young people get their hands on today is a result of a weapon they get at home or from a family member's home. LAPD, L.A. school police, the city of Los Angeles, the city attorney's office continue to work uh, in, con in conjunction with the Safe Neighborhoods Program. And one of the main missions that we will have and we will continue to enforce is the issue of finding out how a young person had access to a weapon, and I assure you, if we find out it came from an adult from a home, that the proper prosecutorial procedures will occur. And I'm going to let City Attorney Mike Fuhrer talk a little bit about that. Thank you, Chief. Thanks very much. I want to stress what the Chief just said. We don't know the facts here. We don't know how the gun got in the hand of the shooter in this case. But as a broader point, Throughout our city, you have seen our office again and again prosecute adults when children get access to guns that haven't been safely stored, including times when children bring a gun to school or to another public location. There is no reason for that ever to happen. This is a very important call to action to every adult in our community who has a gun. You must store it safely and keep it out of access for any child to reach. It could result in a tragedy. It could result in a suicide or a homicide or another situation which could easily have been prevented by responsibly, safely storing weapons. Los Angeles has a law about the safe storage of weapons. The state 
pass laws that require the safe storage of weapons. Every responsible gun owner needs to take heed to the fact that they have an obligation for all of us. Again, in this instance, I do not yet know the facts as to how this individual got a gun in the first place. So we're not necessarily attributing unsafe storage to this situation. It is possible we just don't know yet. But this is an opportunity for all of us in the community to understand the rules and our responsibilities. Thank you, Chief. Chief Zimmerman, can you tell us a little bit about the suspect or the person of interest you have in custody? I understand. I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question. Can you tell us a little bit more about the person of interest, the young girl, I understand she's 12? Uh, once again, uh, the, the question was, can, can we speak about the person of interest? And, and the answer is, uh, this is a Los Angeles Police Department investigation. Um, I, I will certainly allow uh, Chief Arcos to come up, and, uh, and probably he'll give you an answer, something pretty close to uh, it's an ongoing investigation. There's not more he can give you, but I'll let Chief Arcos answer that. I heard you already say she was 12, though. Can you yeah. confirm that the person of interest that you have in custody yeah. right now is a 12-year-old female? Yeah, I'm not sure about the exact age yet, but it is a female. And there was a question earlier if it had occurred in the, in the classroom, and yes, it did occur in a classroom. Uh, yes. what grade were the two students who were shot and targeted? That's part of the investigation. We've we got a lot of work to do. I just hope you guys would all understand that. You guys have covered these stories many, many times before. Uh, let our investigators work. They're working this case very, very closely uh, with the school officials that are here and the administrators and with school police. Lots to still be determined. Uh, I've given you what I think that is um, appropriate to you at this point, and I hope that uh, that helps your, you with your questions for now. How many students were in the classroom? Uh, How many students were in the classroom, and have they been talked to already? Uh, the the students that were in the classroom, I do not know the number. Uh, however, they have been um, uh, taken out of the classroom. They're secured in uh in the school auditorium, and the de detectives are going through them, uh, in interviewing them individually now. What grade are they in? What grade I don't know what grade that is. Um, I, I call it, I, again, we, we believe that uh, we, we don't know the exact number of students in the class at this time because um, when this incident occurred, um, there were numerous kids that, that ran and other kids that may have left the classroom. So the investigation will certainly determine how many kids were actually in the classroom when it occurred versus how many were in the classroom when the law enforcement arrived. Chief, are there metal detectors One in second, one second. Go ahead. Thank you, Chief. It's being attributed to you that the suspect of the the information that I received is that we appear right now the person of interest is 12 years old. Are there one second? That, that's, I'm, this is preliminary information that we have received. Okay, let, let me. Uh, as far as metal detectors in the schools, first of all, uh, one thing that, that is not going to occur today is to get into any kind of debate on the issue of uh, LAUSD's uh, current random searching policy and whether or not this incident had any uh, effect on that or not. Every one of our schools, every one of our secondary schools, LAUSD has policies and procedures in place. Okay, and every one of our schools. We have numerous safety procedures in place and numerous policies that go with our safe school plans. Okay. It's okay. Thank you. Uh, no more questions. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So the, uh, I guess, biggest piece of information that has come out of this latest briefing about this uh, this school shooting at Sal Castro Middle School is the girl that they have in custody, they're calling their person of interest, 12 years old. Again, two people were shot. 
15-year-old boy hit in the head, critical but stable condition. Another girl hit in the wrist, fair condition. And three other people that had some other injuries, peripheral stuff, uh, some abrasions, maybe some glass injuries, some cuts to the face areas, but 12 years old. Other piece of information that's unique, I would say, in this situation is that L.A. Unified officials say classes will continue as usual for the rest of the day at Sal Castro Middle School. Yeah, if you're a parent, though, uh, and you've got a kid at Sal Castro Middle School, uh, they have told you to pay attention to the email system that you've signed up for to get information about what to do in the event that you want to get your kid out of class. Um, I'm curious. They, they also said to go to Belmont and Beverly. for. Uh, it's a staging area there right. for questions. And is that where the baseball diamond is or yeah, whatever that is? I think so. That would make sense because they have a bunch of people waiting there. Um, I'm curious to know exactly how this goes down at Sal Castro Middle School and Belmont High School. They share a campus, or at least they're adjacent. A 12-year-old would make you assume junior high. The two 15 kids who year were olds, shot were 15. 15-year-olds can be still in junior high. I suppose um, the three others, the 11 and 12 year old, and then a 30 year old female was probably a teacher or an aide or something like that. Um, it's it's just one of those things. I, I found it interesting. The head uh, Zipperman, chief Zipperman of the L.A. police uh, schools, police clearly pointed to the parents and called out parents for not having weapons safely locked. How does a 12 year old get her hands on? A weapon like well, this. Well, and that's the situation. I mean, they said it's too early to know what the motive is, too early to know where she got the weapon. But one can deduce because she's 12 years old, she's not going to have access legally to a weapon. Right. So it's got to come from a parent or a, a friend of a, that has a parent that, that the gun is left out and about. Uh, the I suppose the best news or the fact that this didn't go to a oh, fatal shooting, so nobody ki- nobody's killed, is that the kid who was shot in the head, as tragic and horrible as that sounds, horrific injury that could have been, was still listed in critical but stable condition. So it's not uh, – it, it, it could have been much, much worse. Uh, and thankfully it's not to that point, although – I would imagine that for the parents who were involved here, it is just an absolutely terrifying uh, event, even if you know. I mean, even if you saw that news conference just now where the chief said everything is safe, the school is fine, the kids are secure, there's just an amount of adrenaline I don't think you escape you, from. Uh, you start going through what ifs, and then you start going through what nows. Because there is a preponderance of safety when you when you drop your kid off at school. There is an idea still, even though we've had so many of these school shootings, unfortunately, that there's an understanding that your kid's going to be safe. She or he's in the custody of the school. And it's very unsettling when your sense of safety is uh, collapsed. This is, uh, they said, I don't know, Oscar, did you hear the end of that news conference? One of the LAPD officers was uh, explaining what was going to happen next. I don't know if they're planning another news conference or if she yeah, said. Yeah, I think it's coming up at one o'clock. Okay. Well, if that's the case, we will definitely bring you the latest when it, when it happens uh, in the one o'clock hour. We also have Andrew Mollenbeck, who's out there covering the story. We'll hope to talk to him as well and see what sort of things that he's been able to learn from out there on the scene. But again, Sal Castro Middle School was the scene of a shooting this morning just before nine o'clock. Apparently, a 12-year-old girl got her hands on a gun and shot two other students. A 15-year-old boy shot in the head, critical but stable condition. A 15-year-old girl shot in the wrist in fair condition. Three others were injured. They were treated and taken to local hospitals. They were uh, suffering just small abrasions is the way it was described by the fire department. 
And according to uh, according to district officials, there will be no immediate release right now. There, even though the campus is still on lockdown, it is considered safe and secure, and they will go through their normal school day. If you have a, a student there, if you're a parent of a student there, to pay attention to what's going on on the email system that they use to uh, communicate with you about what's going on. Uh, also, according to the LAPD Twitter, they said student reunification will be at Crown Hill and Loma. And they do have a hotline for parents, uh, 213-241-1000.